Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. You're my best friend. We walked everywhere together. We sat and ate at so many tables and talked about everything. Well, I did a lot of the talking while you listened patiently and corrected me. Me and the guys would start petty arguments about status and position, and you always knew what to say to keep us grounded. You told stories and and taught me and the rest of our friends so much. I watched you give blind people sight. You healed broken limbs and brought the dead to life. You would sit and talk to the socially unacceptable, but you treated them the same way you treated us, with love. You even spent time speaking to women about life and salvation. You showed them compassion. You taught them one-on-one the way that you taught me. I'll never understand you. I thought I meant it. I thought when I told you that I would follow you anywhere, even to death, that I meant every word. Sincerely, I swore to myself that no one would ever hurt you, that if I had anything to do with it, they would pay dearly if they ever even tried. Shoot, I was ready to ride or die. If they planned on arresting you, they better have room in that cell for me. As a matter of fact, I wish those fools would try to put their hands on you, Jesus. I would beat the brakes off anyone brave enough to attempt it. I was very sincere. I thought I meant it. The night you were captured, I swung a sword so swift that it barely made a sound before his ear hit the ground. I had so much to prove in that moment because just hours before, you told me I was gonna deny you. They took you away and you didn't disagree or fight. You just healed the soldier admonished me and disappeared with them into the night. I had a hard time accepting this because you see, I thought it was my job to hold you down. But when I saw how real your prophecy about having to die an innocent man really was, I turned my back on you and didn't make a sound. They beat you half to death, taunted and humiliated you publicly, the same ones who days earlier praised you, cursed you and sentenced you to death. I was supposed to hold you down, but instead, They held you down, you, stretched out, bleeding, gasping for breath, sobbing, crying out to our Father. They drove nails through your hands and feet. On your head, garnished with thorns, was a crown. My friend, my God, my King. They say that the truth in people comes out when the pressure is on, but true to yourself, you stayed, and even after everything for the very people responsible for your pain, you prayed, Father, forgive them, for they have no idea what they're doing. Even in this moment of darkness and hatred, their hearts you were pursuing. And with your last breath, you uttered the words, it is finished. You took on the whole world's sin single-handedly. What looked like a severe loss was really just a delayed win because while all of hell celebrated, three days later, you rose again. Now pain, now pain, grief, depression, desperation, shame, hopelessness, suicide, poverty, rape, murder, death, and anything that elevates itself above the knowledge of you has to bow in your presence, Jesus. How could I ever let you down? I was so ashamed. I went back to the only life I knew. I thought I could hide. But when you came back, you found me and you pulled me aside. We started conversing and I didn't even want to make eye contact with you. I was so embarrassed, I knew I'd let you down. I was bracing myself in anticipation for you to put me all the way on blast. I just knew you were gonna clown me. But instead, you embraced me. You looked at me the way you always did, with love. 
Instead of judgment, you showed mercy. Instead of questioning, you gave me grace. Instead of abandoning me, you came looking for me. Instead of being callous, you showed compassion. I could see it all over your face, but how? I was supposed to hold you down. No, thank you Jesus so much for holding me up. Thank you. Enjoy popular music. Just a chance to get it. Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song. Everything is Turn signal, park between the lines, yes! Drop off dry cleaning before noon, read the headlines, don't forget to smile, always root for the local sports team. Sports team! Always return a compliment. Hey, you look nice. So do you. Drink overpriced coffee. There you go, that's $37. What awesome! Everything is awesome. Did you see where are my pants last night, buddy? Good morning. You know, I love that movie probably because it brings out the kid in me, but there's something about a Bible verse that says we're supposed to receive the kingdom of God like a child. And so I think we need to unlock the child in all of us a little bit this morning and find the Lego in us all. And we realize what we think a world is trying to position us similar to the Truman Show where everything's perfect and everything's cookie cutter and everything is awesome if you just stick in and be a part of the system, a part of the team. If you drive the right way, go to the school in the right place, and then you get a job. And how many people know life is just not like that? You ever been a part of a deal or a transaction when someone has over-promised and then under-delivered? How about a high-end restaurant? You go there, you're like, yo, okay, 30 bucks. Wow, this is crazy. I'm about to get this steak. And they come out, they're like, oh, it's a steak like this size with like three vegetables. You're like, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, never coming here again. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else had that experience? Anybody ever built anything? You know all about overpromise, underdeliver. under-deliver. We had the opportunity, we got to build a house. We built a duplex with a great family. We still live in the duplex today. And when we built this duplex, it was supposed to be six months, right? Seven months, eight months, two years, okay? Building industry started to crash. I'm getting the short end of the stick, and I'm not realizing every time we go to pick out our cabinets, go to pick out our paint, go to pick out our hardware for just to hang the door, that we have the below contractor grade that's hidden in the back. Let me lead you, Mr. Veerling, to where you're going to get your stuff that is in your package. My package, we just passed everything that was normal. And then you get to this thing that's like plastic and see-through. You didn't even know they made door knobs that were tin until you just bought one single package because it's the essence of sales many times, over-promise, under-deliver. We found ourselves every time shelling out cash. Okay, oh well, we, we, don't, we didn't think we were going to get the brand new tin doorknobs. And so 
we thought we would get that. Oh, we got to add air conditioning. I thought air conditioning came standard in new houses. And it was so funny. The builder, bless his heart, man, because he was getting overpromised and underdelivered on too. It's just this vicious cycle, right? And whoever's on the top, just beating down who's on the bottom. And if you meet people on the top, let us know. We might negotiate with them because I don't know about you, but I ain't met the people on the top. We're down here, right? In day-to-day life. And I thank God that Jesus is going to show us a new strategy today, right here where we're at. And the builder said this, he goes, man, I've never seen anybody really kind of take one for the team this long. And so if I ever have anything going on in my life, I'm going to call you because you're so patient. I'm sitting there thinking, man, if he only knew the inside of what's working in my heart, right? Two years. But I'll tell you what, God does something in my heart and in our hearts. When the world disappoints, it leads me to him. The very thing that you've been complaining about, the very thing that you're disappointed about, it could be the very thing that's drawing you close to the Father's heart. Because today, there's a message that we're going to talk about that is over-promising, but Jesus also over-delivers. I'm telling you, it is so crazy of what has taken place. And there's only two realities of what you got to do with Jesus this morning. Either he is a lunatic and we are freaks that have microphones talking about Jesus, period. Of all people, we're to be most pitied if we believe in Jesus and he's not real. But if he is real, he possesses the keys to the afterlife. And so it's not RIP shirts anymore alone. It's not tombstones that we see a number and a date when somebody was born and then when they left this earth. But we will kick that thing in the face because this is what the power we have in Jesus now. It's victorious. It's a whole new type of posture. See, doesn't the enemy try to do this all the time? Overpromise, but then he underdelivers. He overpromises and says, look, if you just drink this or hang out with these particular friends or go to this place or spend this kind of money, you're going to feel fulfilled. Anybody ever left the mall with a little buyer's remorse before you even hit the car? I get buyer's remorse when I tell my wife to buy something. We bought this new shirt. I was like, man, I don't even want to buy the shirt because I don't really like the shirt. I can't even spend money on the shirt I don't want to like. But some people, they'll like if I dress in an Easter color and they'll definitely like if I wear past, you know, uh, button up today. They'll like that because it'll counteract the fact that I look a little bit young, but the facial hair has been working for my favor on that side as well. Somebody, amen. Hey, can I testify this morning just for a brief moment here? It was 15 years ago. I stayed up all night at a party and I was sitting around talking to a bunch of people. And at the party came up a bunch of conversations of where does life come from? And is there life after death? Is there more to than what we see? And so I remember even as a kid, I remember having these deep desires to think of, okay, space, it ends where? Wow. God, who created God? Your mind just blown. You're like, what in the world? And I'm having one of these moments. You fast forward all the way to this party. We're sitting around this group. And I'm saying, man, I think tonight's my last night party and I'm never coming back. They're like, yeah, right, man. You've been saying that for a long time. See, what you don't understand is that 15 years old, I had a dream to go in the league. I thought I was going to go to the NBA. You may think that's funny. But once I realized my height limitations and my speed limitations, it wasn't going to happen. And you know what? I turned to drugs. And see, I was a good student and I had a good job outside of high school. And so most people couldn't know on the outside looking in, but on the inside out, I was dying. And it was Easter Sunday. I stayed up all night at this party. I'm sitting there talking to these people. There's one dude saying, hey, we came from aliens. Another person just saying, it's just because, man. It's just because. What do you, so where do you think we came from? It just is, man. It just is. Where do you think love came from? It's just love, bro. 
It's just love. I'm like, man, this is crazy. So what you're telling me is I can just pick and choose? So should I just drive home on the wrong side of the road? Or is there actual truth? Is there possible that God has revealed himself that there is an orchestrator behind this all? There's a grand architect because we see the seeds of order everywhere. Somebody's thanking God for order, that your blood's not coming out of your skin right now. Thanking God for order, but some of us need to get a little bit more order when we control our body order, so you might need to help the person on the left and the right. But hey, here's the thing. God rocked me in that night. And I remember picking up a phone early in the morning. I left that party driving home really alone at a low place in my life. And the only place I knew was my Hope Church where they had a basketball court as a kid. So I picked up the phone. I said, hey, what time's your services? They said 9.30 and 11.30. I said, great, click. And I sat up in the top row of the balcony and I listened to the gospel. And I remember bawling like a baby because it wasn't about what Jesus did alone. It was about that I was so guilty. And then in light of that, looking at who he was, I marveled and say, wow. God is worth my life. And I remember responding and my life was so transformed in that moment, I was delivered. And here I am 15 years to tell you this, from the top row of the balcony to the pulpit, the good news really is that good. Over promises and over delivers every single time. Just wanna testify a little bit this morning. I believe that's for somebody because you think that God can't do anything in your life. When you hear everything is awesome, what comes to mind? Kind of cheesy cookie cutter, thinking everything's perfect. The word awesome has been so abused. It means awe and even a fear or a dreadful, like awful. So life many times really is awful, if we're honest this morning. It's not all perfect. It's not all systematically in our benefit. In fact, it's systematically many times pushing us down. And we feel the tensions, we feel the pain, we feel the discouragement, we feel the disappointment, we feel the worry and the wonder of what is going on in me. Does God know and does God care? Today, I believe you'll see that God not only cares, but he shows up right where you are at. People sometimes ask this, they say, well, what do I have to wear to church? I say, what in the world are you talking about? What do you have to wear when you meet Jesus? Wouldn't that be a sad day if you had to get dressed to meet Jesus? I thank God that he takes you at your lowest point. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Newsflash, sinners means that we're dead. We're unable to make ourselves right and new. But by the grace of God, he steps in and exchanges his life for our life. And so though you look amazing this morning, a lot of you look good. And you're going to get some pictures, and that's beautiful. We'll have pictures here next week. You can pick those up in the lobby. But I hope you know this today, that doesn't matter what you came in. Even if you would have came in nothing, we probably would have given you a towel or a blanket for the sake of the brethren. But even if you would have came with nothing, God would have met you exactly where you're at. And so you need to know that this morning, because you're going to start believing a lie if not. Everyone's got a little tiny Lego in their experience, God. And this Lego... Um, you know, when I look at this, when I see, I see anti-retirement fund. Let me explain. 
my kids are just so good at figuring out a way that we're going to spend $100 on one of these things that we're going to build. It's going to be great family bonding time. But hey, we have this moment. Well, hey, kids, make sure we're going to keep, take care of it, right? Oh, dad, this is the one. We're going to take care of this one. It's going to be perfect condition. Dad, we're going to put it on our wall. We're going to play with it. Oh, and then silly dad, right? I thank God that God is, an, is uh, prone to be emotionally volatile as I am in those moments. I sometimes don't do what's always best for the child. I do what's best for me. And I'm, what's best for me is to not feel the pain and the regret of looking at their faces. And I buy them the Lego. And then what I find to, to my disappointment many times is it's just one little Lego on the ground and it just sits there. And it, and it was part of a great Star Wars set that was 11, uh, you know, uh, 11 hundos, which is, you know, or something added up over the years. Yeah, man, this Star Wars stuff costs money, but like $100, $100, $100. And you look at it and you're like, one little piece. This little piece means nothing. You start to think that, right? One little Lego piece we think means nothing. But if we aren't careful, this is exactly how we see society. Just one little person means nothing. Oh, they're just in a third world country. They mean nothing. Oh, they're just in an inner city home. They mean nothing. Oh, they're just in their car pulled off on the side of the road, depressed and struggling. They mean nothing. And I'm so grateful that God, he cares about every single detail, every single piece. And it's just like a Lego story. You need them all to complete to build it because you'll have one part off. And God wants to use you today, your piece, your life, your story, and part of his story. I'm telling you, everything is awesome because of him. He'll take your pieces, but you have to give him your piece. And you have to see the importance of a peace today, that God loves the one. God loves the one so powerfully that we don't get hung up of what happened alone on Good Friday or even Saturday in the wondering of the aftermath, but then Sunday in what the Sunday really means to be in Jesus Christ. We're going to go to Luke 24. And this is where the preacher says the, the chapter and chapters weren't originally referenced when they were writing the scrolls. They were just one big book, okay? So later numbers were added to help our benefits so that we could find them easier. And so if you feel a little intimidated sometimes at church and you hear about a scripture point or reference, don't be because uh, I started in the same place. And in fact, I want to unpack a little bit about the author that's going to write to us about the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. A lot of times we can get intimidated because we hear about Jesus and his homeboys that he's rolling with. And we are like, oh, well, they were there. They saw it. They touched him. They knew. Of course they gave their lives. Well, what about me? It's 2,000 years later, Jesus. Where are you at? You ain't in my situation. You ain't in my neighborhood. You ain't at my job, Jesus. Luke didn't roll with Jesus. In fact, he was a doctor. So he is making an eyewitness account based on eyewitness testimonies. And he's, he's paying so closely attention to the details that he's interviewing people and he's writing this gospel about Jesus so he can capture all of these details that would be necessary to paint the picture of who Jesus really is, that he is the Messiah. So if he's risen from the dead, he deserves all of our attention. And if he hasn't, then by golly, you might as well have more fun eating the hot dogs and the hamburgers. But I believe that it's the first one. It's that this is way better than the hot dogs and hamburgers because God gives more than water. He gives more than food. He gives more than any substance. He gives eternal life. And so there's nothing that can take that away from us today in Jesus. And so today you may have come to this place. You might be in the top row. You might have been Jerome 15 years ago. God wants to reach you and he wants to take your sin and your brokenness and exchange it for his holiness and his awesomeness. So Luke being an author, he also writes the book of Acts. 
And so when you hear about the gospel, good news, and you also hear about the book of Acts, you can read them together, Luke and Acts. And what you'll see is the picture of who Jesus is, all of the prophets saying, here he is, he's going to come, all of these years, all these situations, all this turmoil. It's kind of like us right now, we're on the opposite side of it. Jesus, you came, when you coming back? When you coming back, don't you see these wars? Don't you see these rumors of wars? Don't you see these presidents that are just going bananas? They're trying to start wars? Jesus, what's going on? But Jesus doesn't move on our timeline. He moves on his timeline. And he is not moved by just the situations that man is strumming up, he's concerned about the grand finale, which is the eternal story. Because we're alive, but just for a moment, but we're dead forever. And so I want to invite you into Luke's gospel today in a way that hopefully is a little different than you might be used to. Luke's gospel meaning person that wasn't rolling with Jesus, just like me and you, physically, we weren't there 2,000 years ago, but he's writing about it, and he's so convinced about it. He's writing to Theophilus in Luke and in Acts to captivate and portray who in the world is Jesus. Amen? Amen means right on. So check this out. So there's a story. There's two people walking to a village, Emmaus. And about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other and all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that are, you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. I believe that this is a message today, not just for people that don't know Jesus yet, but this is a message for Christians that have been proclaiming Jesus for a long time. But you've been walking on the road as if it's Friday and if it's Saturday, and Jesus finds you. And you know where he finds you? Talking about this story looking sad. I think too often we see Jesus as just a cross. We buy him at Walmart. We put him around our neck. We put him on our houses. We see him at the gates of doorposts of real fancy places. You see him hung in some type of, you know, nice, elegant restaurant. We fight for him to stay in the Ten Commandments in, in judicial systems. But what is Jesus about today? And so the cross gives us access and Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and what that means is to die to self that we're literally willing to just give up our lives because we got a greater one. But what it means is this though, the cross is just access because Jesus isn't there anymore. I got a newsflash, Jesus is not on the cross. And so when you think of Christ and you think of the good news, are you just thinking of the cross today if you're in Christ? Or are you thinking about the risen power that he has, that he's defeated all of the grips that hell has. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, praying for you. Jesus prays for you. That is so powerful. And I love this because Jesus didn't have to show up in their situation. But the reason he's doing this, because one, he's going to send his team to go accomplish what he's called us to do. But he's also going to relate with them on a very practical way when he didn't have to. See, so as you compare Christ to all other gods, what you'll find is Jesus stands alone. He comes down and meets us where we're at. And all other gods say this, you have to do this to get right. It's like climbing up a ladder. You, you know, do this to get right. You have to do all these things to get right. And you know what? You can never find that euphoric self-bliss and you can never be right. Man, I'm so grateful for grace that we don't have to be good enough. Anybody else? I'm so grateful for grace that we don't have to be good enough that Jesus is. Then one of them named Clap Cleo, Cleopas. Cleopas, you don't hear about that name that much anymore, eh? Well, he's a common dude. 
He's the common dude here right now that Jesus loved and he Jesus showed up for. I love this because you're a common dude and we got some dudettes and God is showing up right now, right where you're at. And you thought it was just for superheroes. You thought it was just for the, the Lego guys, the, you know, just they're the ones that get, no, it's the little piece that's all important in God's great plan. That's you and me today. And he starts to tell him this story. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's talking to Jesus. Come on. Jesus is a ninja. I think sometimes we've been talking to Jesus. We've been complaining and we've been talking about our life and our situations. And we thought it was to a stranger, but it was actually to Jesus. And Jesus was trying to say, look, can't you feel? I get your pain, but I'm trying to lead you to another place. Why do you want to soak in your sorrow for so long? And God doesn't discount our pain or discredit our struggles. He actually gives deep place for them. But if we could only see today what the resurrection gave, we would walk out of this place with newness and confidence like we've never had before. We're not confident in what we wear. We're not confident in what we have. We're not confident in what we own. We're only confident in who we're known by and we're known by Jesus Christ. And that is the great, the great, great miracle of what we have today. What things, and they said to him, concerning Jesus Nazareth, and there's a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. This is us. We hoped God would show up the way we wanted on our timeline, in our situations. And we were hoping that we could play God and fit him in our box. But God is always outside our box, showing us what's best, even times through struggle and suffering. And in fact, when you think about the cross, the cross is an interesting paradigm. You can't come to glory unless you come through the cross and you come to the cross by bowing and you come to the cross by bowing. You don't just bow to what he's bought for us. You bow to what he endured and you willingly sign up. It's saying, Jesus, I'll suffer for your sake. So suffering through the cross equals in entering into the house, in the house being the person, Jesus, that by just willingly saying, I will enter into you, Christ, you bow and you take up your cross, but you enter a position of glory. And that's the highlight of the story. And so though we come together yearly on uh, Easter Sundays and we celebrate and we get excited and this is awesome, Jesus is alive. And some of us was like, we come uh, one time a year, he's great, man, God, thank you. That was sweet. I'm good for another year, right? Man, God doesn't want just a day. He wants your life. And God doesn't want to just have you go to church. He wants to grow you so he can know you. God doesn't want you to just come and be intimidated so you can meet somebody in the hallway. No, God wants you to be a part of a family. And this place has never been about a building. We just rent this place. This is about a family that will live forever. I'm talking all races, all places, all people, all background. We're gonna spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And I want you to know him this morning. Jesus continues and he rebukes them. You could think that he would empathize with their position. They're complaining and they have a good complaint. They're sad about what happened to Jesus. But Jesus knowing, look, don't waste another breath on thinking that that was the final moment. I want to shift your foolish hearts. I want to tell you about what is really happening. 
the new life. He says, oh, foolish ones and slow to heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Here's what Jesus did. He sat down with them. He said, slow down, little homie. It's not that big of a deal. In fact, let me show you that this was all supposed to happen. He broke down a Bible study. He started telling through all of the scriptures that Jesus was the point. What was the point of David and Goliath? Jesus. What was the point of Joseph in prison? Jesus. What's the point of Abraham? Jesus. Oh, I thought it was just blessings and cattle. No, Jesus. I thought it was uh, uh, wars and rumors of war. No, Jesus. It was always about Jesus pointing to Jesus. And that's where we're pointing. The church is still pointing to Jesus in Christ. Why are you guys forgiving each other? Because of Jesus. Why are you guys trying to work on your marriages? Because of Jesus. Why are you trying to be a better father? Because of Jesus. Why are you asking for forgiveness? Because of Jesus. Why are you trying to be good at work? Because of Jesus. And that's what he's showing them right there. He's like really in the flesh right there. They go on to continue. They're having this, they're drawing near the village. And then Cleopas asks him, hey, stay. And Jesus didn't have to stay, but he stays and has food with them. And he breaks it and blesses them. Blesses the food and gives it to them. And instantly they realize whose presence they were in. They get so excited. They go, go off. They should have already been excited. The, the women had already told them what had happened. Our lives would be a lot easier if we were to listen to women a little bit earlier. Okay? All the ladies. All right, yep. Yeah, it's true. If I had listened to my mom a little bit earlier, I would have been better off in life. Married people, happy wife, happy life. Now, Jesus is above that, but that's a close second. Now, the disciples, they're still kind of complaining. They're having this moment, and we're going to close here, and I, I just want to invite you into this experience that God wants to show up in your world the same way he showed up for them. And I believe intimately that God wants to meet you in your chair today with the same type of power he met the disciples, and then they went all out and they changed the world. Do you realize it's 2017, and we talk about the year, but it's based upon a calendar that was created of when Jesus went to the cross and when he was alive. That's such the significant weight that they felt of Jesus' life that the authority of the time when they were dictating of how the calendar should be set out. In fact, scholars later realized that Jesus was probably um, went to the cross about 6 B.C. And so you don't have exactly there like 1 A.D. is exactly when it happened because they, they, didn't, they, they didn't have all the same uh, access to the artifacts we have today. But it was so interesting the point was they tried to create the calendar on the event of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And so every time you're signing a check or you're writing a date, you know what you're doing? You're saying, this is the day Jesus was here. Every time you're going to a certain place and you say, oh, okay, I know what date it is. This is the time Jesus was here. What about when somebody stubs their foot? What do they do? Jesus. <laughs> right? I don't know why he gets brought into stuff. Start saying, Unless I started trying to change my language from, you know, F-bombs to forgiveness bombs, right? No, no one else has ever swore before. And it's been 15 years. I've been getting sanctified over these 15 years. And I find it interesting to be in settings where Jesus Christ is a swear word all the time. And one of the things I always do is if someone's like, man, Jesus Christ on the court or something. I say, where? That's crazy. Where's he at? Where? Like, I've been waiting to meet him. Where? 
They're like, what? They look at you silly because they don't get it because there's a great battle and there's a great lie and deception over your life. Because if you just think it's just another name, then you'll never give it its proper place in your life. You'll never give proper attention in your life if it's just another name. The devil tries to hide all the time and make us feel like we're immortal. He hides the end stages of life. He hides the brokenness and he just puts up the highlights. He makes us feel that everything's awesome, but everything's not awesome. And I thank God that he knows us so deeply and he paid the price because of our sin and our wickedness and our brokenness that we'll never be good enough. And he finds us and he realizes that we can be made new in him. Jesus shows up with the disciples and he tells them peace to you. And he allows them to see his hands and feet and he actually sits down and he has a meal with them. I don't think this was the overpromised, underpromised meal. I think this was the overpromised, overpromised meal. Because he didn't have to eat, he's in his glorified state. In fact, he ascends to heaven in just a few moments after that. Boom! He ascends to heaven, and the response is remarkable. And I pray this is the response for each one of us today. The response is catalytic. Insert every big word you've ever heard. That's how big the response is. What's your big boom word? What's your hashtag text? What's your word that you insert when you want to get people's attention? Insert it for yourself right now. This is the type of response that took place. And I believe the reason he was eating in that moment, because he was sitting down, he was saying, look, I don't need to eat, but I'm eating for you. I don't need your attention, but I want it. I'm coming down and I'm showing up right where you're at. I want to have fish with you. I'm going to break bread with you. I'm going to bless you because I'm still the God that shows up right where you are always. And they stop, they pause, they see him for who he really is. And what happens is the response is heroic. He leads them through a Bible study again. And he shows them that in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to finally understand the fullness of the scriptures. Verse 46 says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Lansing. It says Jerusalem. You know what their city was? Right in front of them. You know what our city is? Right here. In this area, this place, this day, right now, that we would preach repentance and forgiveness of sins because that is the good news. That mankind would turn from their wicked ways and say, God, I, you know what? I feel this pull and this desire, but I feel a greater pull to turn to you because I see who you are and I want to exchange my life for you. And here's how it ends and here's how it responds. In verse 50, he led them out as far as Bethany. In lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. Come on, Jesus, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Are you with us? Wow. Not only did he promise to be with us, that he would send us power on high, that we have access to right now in Christ, the Holy Spirit. And that we would go and proclaim and do his work throughout all of the earth until he returns. And so your Lego part is so significant to his story. He wants to use you or he would be here still. He'd be leading the mission. 
but he is still leading the mission. He's still working through strangers. He's still showing up when you're complaining on the road. He's still there. He's still having dinner with you. But now, you know what? It looks more like this. It looks like his word. It looks like growing. It looks like us picking each other up because it is not easy, especially when we're trying to draw our source life from this world. We look up. The word awesome was developed in the late 16th century in the sense that we're filled with awe. Something which inspires awe. What does that sound like? God. To inspire awe for us today. Some people have said the word origin was strictly reserved for God. That we would fear Him in a healthy way and use our life to bow in awe of Him because everything is awesome because we are in awe of the one who let us some join in. That's what happens. The access that we get to join in. So today I pray this, that we would quit living like it is Friday or Saturday because it is Sunday and the sun's day means we live forever because we're in the sun. Somebody, come on. That's good news. You know, sometimes people want signs and wonders from God alone. It's like, God, will you provide for me financially? Will you heal my family member? And though God can do those type of things, I want you to know the greatest miracle this morning is to know God, to, have, to be known by Him, to be saved. And today I pray that we would do an inventory and just a gut check before heaven and say, man, God, where am I at with you? You know, Jesus died publicly. He was whooped, he was beaten, he was laughed at, he was spit at, and he did that all publicly. And he said, man, if you can't confess me in front of mankind, then how can I confess you before my Father? And we're so concerned of how we come in and know Jesus. What do we wear? What does people think? What's the person on the left and right thing? And instead of just looking at who he is, and then it takes care of the rest around us, because now we're secure in the one that is holding the space. He's holding the planets. He's holding the galaxies. He's holding it all, and he's holding you. There's a psalm that says we cling to God, but it's his right hand that upholds us. Today, I pray that you would feel that type of power where you sit, that you would cling to God, but you would recognize that it's his right hand that's holding you up. Just like you're holding your daughter, it's you holding her up. If you stand up, she's not going to be able to stay that long, right? You hold her up. God holds you up. You cling to him in response to that. So today, I just want to close and if you guys would all just close your eyes and this isn't to try to trick you. This is just simply to, for me to be authentic into the conviction of what I've been feeling this week, that it is truly about us and God individually and then together. And I think for some moments in life, we got to just pause and realize at the end of our life, we're going to just stand before one alone, and that's Jesus. And today I pray that you would find yourself at the cross, losing your life to find new life. If you're here today and you say, man, I just, I want forgiveness of my sins. I'm broken. I don't know. I need help. I need a new life. I believe Jesus is who he said he is. I want a new start. I want to just hit the refresh. I want to be brand new. I want you to just raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. Hands going up everywhere. I see you. I want to pray for you. It's, look, we don't need to look around. This ain't about who's looking around. God's looking around. I'm going to tell you right now. And look, there's no special prayer that gets you into heaven, but sometimes we need leading and a coach. That's why we need a shepherd. And I pray that you would pray this type of prayer from your heart and mean it. Say, God, take my life. I'm a sinner. Take me. I'm broken. 
God, I want all of you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried and I believe you rose from the dead and that you were seen by many and that you've commissioned me for your commission to help others know. God, I thank you that you make me clean and you give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. For people that pray that, I'll, I'll tell you this. Bible says um, that angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. Angels are pretty powerful beings and they are rejoicing when you repent. It's awesome. If you mean business, we got a book for you in the lobby if you want it. It's Get Rooted. It helps you get your life connected. You can't take your little small life and plant it in the middle, middle of winter and expect to have deep roots. And that's what we do. We want a moment. Can I have it all now? Man, it's hard work. It's a grind, but it's worth it. And I'll tell you this. You can look at the people on the left and right. Look, look at them. Guess what? Who's going to help you? They are. We're in this thing together. We're in this thing together. Come on. And um, secondly, uh, just to, I want you to take an inventory, Christians, real quick. We got new Christians in this place, but Christians, I want you to just close your eyes because I think some of us have been living, and I know myself included, have been living with too much Friday and Saturday nonsense and not recognizing the power of Sunday, that Jesus is alive. That seeing only the cross sometimes is just woe and ah, it's hard. But God, I pray today that we would feel your power in your life. God, when it's difficult and I feel like giving up and we all feel like giving up. God, when it's hard and we want to cry. God, we pray that we would cry to you and not be complaining to you. And that we would look to you and that we would let you lead us to newness and fullness in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.